It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Western and Southern Financial Group. Put our financial strength behind you. It's easy to get started. Visit westernsouthern.com. Now batting, number one in our hearts. At least he'd like to think so. It's the Jim Day Podcast. All right, welcome into the Jim Day Podcast once again. Thanks so much for joining us and all here today. Boy, would we have a big name today. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Reds Hall of Famer, National Baseball Hall of Famer, the captain. And I can't believe this, but I now call him a colleague. Barry Larkin, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's good to sit across the table from you as opposed to on the same side. What's happening? <laughs> Not a whole lot. Um, how is this? this broadcasting thing going i mean the broadcasting in general isn't new to you you work at espn mlb network but uh calling the games on a nightly basis uh for the reds what's it been like fun you know i it, it's actually kind of an extension of what i did when i was playing to be quite honest that's kind of how i look at it it's uh it, it's just talking the game of baseball yeah and you just have a different audience you know we talk as players, we talk on the uh, on the bench all the time about situations, and now it's just in the broadcast booth. I, you know, I I've been a student of the game, and I try to be a teacher of the game, and I tried to do that as a ball player, be a student because I wanted to get better, and being yeah. a teacher as a more veteran player, and this is just an extension of that. I feel like the audience now, as opposed to being a ball player, a person in uniform, is the person that's listening at home. And my broadcast partners, yourself and John Sadak, are just, you know, it's just, just kind of sitting down without the beverage, talking the game. <laughs> That's what it is. And it's comfortable. It's, uh, it's fulfilling. And it's, it's fun. Yeah. Without the beverage. I, I like that. We had to do a broadcast with beverages. See how that goes. Mm-hmm. I have a tough enough time formulating complete sentences sober. Right. Let's not go that route. Right. Is there anything that surprised you, or what's been the hardest part of it? There really hasn't been any hard yeah. part. I, you know, as you said, I did it at ESPN. I did it at MLB Network. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the studio work was actually hard there because it was kind of a regurgitation of what happened. And right. This is real, real speed. This is in the moment. And I feel like that for me is is the most challenging thing, but it's the easiest thing because it's, as I said, an extension of what I did as a ball player. Right. So, you know, we're always talking about the game of baseball. I, you know, I don't know what goes on the bench now, obviously, because I'm not down there. But when I was down on the bench, we would talk about absolutely everything and now with the microphone in front of my face, I'm able to talk about absolutely everything <laughs> during the game. And it's, uh, 
it's interesting. The one thing, though, J.D., that I that I am very aware of is that the game from the broadcast booth looks so easy. Oh, yeah. Now, I won't say easy. It looks so simple. And some of the feedback that I've got from the guys who have listened, who are currently playing, uh, is that I have not forgotten how difficult the game is. No doubt albeit it does look much more simple from the broadcast booth because yeah. it is a very difficult game. Oh, it's it might be the hitting of the, the baseball, and you know this much more than I do, but hitting the baseball that's moving nine, now 95-plus yep. all the time uh, it might be the hardest thing in sports. I put that with maybe being a cornerback in football. On an island. On an island. <laughs> yourself. Really tough. Right. Um, you know, people talk about golf, but, you know, the, go- the ball's not moving. That's right. That's right. I mean, hitting a baseball might be the hardest thing in sports, if not one of the hardest things. So it, you, I've never lost sight of that. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it looks easy. And we, you know, fans like, oh, how can he ground into a double play? Like, oh, well, he didn't try to. <laughs> you know, I, I it, it, for me, there's the two words that I hear people use all the time. It's easy. And I like to use simple. It does look easy. It's no way is it easy. And as a ball player, because I know it's not easy, I use the word simple because it kind of cuts down uh, a lot of, cuts out a lot of variables, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, the game is, it, it is nowhere close to being easy. You know, easy for me is, is something that you arrive at this point with, ease if I may use that in in my definition of you know it's not challenging or it comes so naturally and I think there are players that the game came naturally junior Barry Bonds um, those kind of players you would put but, uh, that yourself in that category? Oh, absolutely not dude no chance you were silky no smooth ch- though Played for so many years, you're a National Baseball Hall of Famer. No, brother, no, not a chance. So now, just just a different level, just yeah. a totally different level. And you know, there's levels of Hall of Famers as well. Yeah. And you know, yeah, I are. sit at the Punch and Judy table, <laughs> and at the Hall of Fame, oh, I don't sit at the 600, 500 home run yeah, table. Well, your first 30, 30 <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but so I don't use easy. I use simple because. Yeah. Simple is a is this kind of a straightforward approach, and you can cut out variables, but it certainly is not even close to being easy. How much does it mean to you're at the stadium, and on the facade there is number eleven? That's awesome. I mean, there's only there's only so many numbers up there, that and we're true. talking about Cincinnati Reds, a storied franchise. I mean, how much does that mean? Oh man, it, it's it's incredible. Yeah. This ride, this journey, all of it's just been humbling and, and just incredible and you think about some of the other numbers that are up there from sparky to joe morgan my idol and david concepcion johnny bench uh tony perez um just in fred hutchinson i, I if i'm missing any, any clue people, big clues big up clues there. up there so I, I mean you look at it well i look at it and i go oh man i mean every time i come into the stadium still today if I happen to look up there and see the number, and I don't go into the stadium and look up there, I mean, it just 
as I'm scanning the yeah. crowd or whatever it is, I look up there and I go, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> that, that was my number. And it's, it's amazing. It really truly is. It's yeah, amazing. it really is. And I'm glad it's not number 15 because when he first came yeah, up, it was 15 didn't 15. look, that it, it didn't look didn't, good. I see those old shots of you in rookie season wearing 15. I'm yeah. like, God, that shit looks, yeah. it's not like you're wearing 87 or something, but it's, Wow, that looks that looks strange back then. Yeah, it? it didn't have the same the snake eyes. There's something about yeah. the snake eyes. Uh, yeah. There's no doubt. <laughs> so when you came up, I, I saw a video the other day of when the first day you arrived in the clubhouse, mm-hmm. and it was a young mm-hmm. look at Barry Larkin, and you're going around the clubhouse, you're shaking hands with everyone. Um, do you? Ever, I mean, you grew up here in Cincinnati, yep. and drafted by the Reds. And ended up playing your whole career, but at that time, how much did it mean to make it to the big leagues? Do you, do you recall I do. any of that? I recall all of it. Um, first of all, I got drafted out of high school yeah. in the second round. That was in '82, and I wanted to go to college, um, and the Reds still decided to draft me, uh, and they tried to talk me <laughs> into signing at that time, but I wanted to go to school. And education was important to myself as well as my mom and dad. So they supported me in that decision. But it was tough because at that time, you know, we didn't have any money growing up. And at that time, the Reds said, listen, you got drafted in the second round. Don't you want to be able to help your mom and dad financially? Which is, yeah, I wanted to do. So they played on my my heart a little bit oh, right there. on the heartstrings, oh, yeah. mom and dad. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So I took that back to mom and dad. They said, listen. Money's always there. If you want to go to college and get your education, go to college. And then it made it really simple. So then I got drafted again after in college, and at that particular time I was ready to go. I was not ready to go to play professional ball, at least in my mind, out of high school. I was just so green. I had never really been away from home, just a, an occasional uh, travel team uh, opportunity uh, with Papa Joe Hayden and you know in midland redskins um but that was really it uh football games we would go and come right back and it wasn't like he stayed over so i really didn't have much experience of being on my own and what i heard about professional ball was that you know they kind of throw you to the wolves and you're out on your own you got to fend for yourself and i had never I, i still at that time wasn't even doing my own laundry you know, because my mother was doing everything. So decided to go to college and grew up a lot in college and then got drafted in 85 again, and this time in the first round. And uh, I was ready to go at that point. Yeah. Because I had some experience. I played on the Olympic team. We went to the College World Series. I spent all time by myself. And, you know, I had a couple college roommates and, you know, and they were by themselves. So we were just kind of growing up together. Right. And I felt like at that particular time, physically and mentally, I was prepared. I got drafted, went right to double A, struggled, but won the Pete uh, Rose Hustle Award uh, in double A. And nice. and we won the he Eastern got a, League. He's got a smile on his face oh, right now. Oh, bro! Growing up in Cincinnati, I'm telling you, because and I smile because every time we would go outside and play, if you're you know, when when we would come back home. Now this was as a, as a youth, 
when we would go out and I play know exactly in the grass. Where you're going. If your <laughs> uniform did not have grass stains on the top of your knees, you did not do a Pete Rose slide. Exactly. And, and I don't think I ever came into the house without grass stains on the top yeah. of my knees. So when I went to Double A, and I won that award, I was like, "This is now. This is how I. This is how I interpret." Cincinnati baseball, yeah, and this is what I'm bringing because one of my idols from Cincinnati is Pete Rose, and I am going out there and putting it down on the field, and that's exactly what I did. And then I won that award. We won the Eastern League Championship that year. It was amazing. Um, then I went back to school to finish up on the offseason, so I didn't play any winter ball or anything like that. And then uh, the next year we started, went to spring training, and I got called up in the was in the big leagues ever since. But I do remember my first day in the big leagues. Actually, I got called up from AAA. We're in Denver and got to the stadium late because the flights, there was weather here, there, and the other. And Pete Rose was sitting in his office waiting for me. He told me, he called me the day before and told me I was going to be starting shortstop the next day. Nice. And so next day comes, I'm traveling all day. I think I end up pulling into Cincinnati at 7 a clock for a 7.35 game or something like that. With no luggage, no anything. That's oh, another story, that's a long man. story. So, Pete Rose comes up, shakes my hand, and he said, I've been waiting for you. And then I walk in and say, hi, Skip. You know, I had not met Pete personally. Um, so it was my first time really meeting oh goodness, him. Gracious. So I was on cloud nine, and he said, Larkin, your first day in the big leagues, and you're already late. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. And then he started laughing. And I was like, oh, okay, sense of humor. Here we go. So I didn't really know how to take it at the time, but it was funny. And then he sat me down and said, hey, what do you have? What do you need? I have nothing. I need everything. So he let me use my his shoes, Mizuno shoes, and his bat. My first big league game. Come on. I never knew that. That's You're wearing Pete Rose's shoes Pete and Pete Rose's bat. shoes and used his bat. My first at bat of my major league career. And I grounded out to shortstop. Never knew that. Yep. Wow. True story. After the game, he waited for all the media to leave. And he said, have that bat feel in your hand. I was like, it was amazing (laughs) how those shoes feel. They were great. Good. Where they at? Give them back. I was going to take those shoes and that bat home. Heck, he was yeah. never going to see oh, him again. Oh, if we could only have the foresight then My to pull goodness. those shoes and that bat aside and have that in the Oh, rest. I was taking it. I was taking it. I, there was no if I had the foresight. I was taking I already had it in my mind. This is Pete Rose. Absolutely. Pete Rose gave me some shoes and a bat to use. To use. And then he took them back at the end of the game. Oh, got it. <laughs> I wish I would know that because I would have killed Pete over that because he, wow. All right, now this story was, we actually talked about this recently. There was that battle between you and Kurt Stillwell, Mm -hmm. who's going to be the shortstop of the future. And he was wearing number 11 at the time. He was. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pete says that he said, hey, Lark, I got to make a decision. I got to trade one of you guys. Mm -hmm. Someone's got to go. And you what did he say that you said? He said that I said, Skip, you better go ahead and trade him because I'm going to be your shortstop for the next 15 years. That's what he said I said. Now, I was 22 years old. This was my childhood idol, Pete Rose, talking to me. 
there's no way in heck that I showed any kind of confidence like that in talking to him. No chance. I can chance. totally see you no saying that. Really? You can see me saying it now. <laughs> but at 22, no chance. I'm going to tell you, something happened before that. And I'll leave the names out because, you know, it was, it was a, an uncomfortable situation. So we're playing in Denver, AAA. And this was in 86. This was before I got called up mm. in 86. And I am absolutely killing it in AAA. Double A, I kind of struggled um, offensively, but AAA figured it out, shortened up my swing, okay with the wood bat. I had not used the wood bat before I signed in 85. And so all my, all my aluminum uh, bad habits, all my bad habits from using an aluminum bat were just exposed from using a wood bat. So I had a really long swing. I broke so many bats, just couldn't find the sweet spot. Eventually, worked on some things and learned. Shortened it up, killing it. Three, 20, 15, 16 bombs, whatever it was. I, w I was really playing well. And playing shortstop every day. And I had one error, playing shortstop every day. So we're playing, and this was in early August. And I get a call from the minor league coordinator um, to meet him down at the pool. We were playing, we were in Denver, we were playing in Indianapolis. And so the brass drove down to Indianapolis to see the team play. So I'm in my hotel room and I get a call and, said, and, and they asked me, the brass asked me to come down to the pool in Indianapolis. Now. I am absolutely destroying it, right? Playing super well. All right. So I get down there and I'm thinking, oh, this might be it. I might, I might be getting a call to Cincinnati. Cause JD, I mean, I was, I was playing super well. Yeah. So I get down there and one of the minor league guys says, how's it going? I go, it's going great. Now, this was the same guy who came to my house when I got drafted. And he said to me and my mom and my father, because we asked the question, don't you guys have a shortstop? Well, Davies is a shortstop, but don't you guys, didn't you guys just draft a shortstop? Your first round draft pick, Kurt Stillwell. Yeah, well, why would you draft Barry? Well, because, you know, he's a Cincinnati kid, whatever, whatever the explanation was. And we asked this specifically, well, who's going to play shortstop? The only way you will not play shortstop in this organization is if you play yourself out of playing shortstop. So if you play so poorly that you can't play shortstop, then obviously you won't. But if you play well enough, you will play shortstop. That same guy who told me that on draft day is the same guy that called me down to the pool in Indianapolis. And he said to me, he goes, he goes, he goes, you know, the organization believes that you are unconventional in everything that you do. Now, this was when I was in AAA playing so well. You're unconventional in the way you throw. You're unconventional in the way that you hit. You're unconventional in the way that you feel. Oh, no. The only way we believe that you're going to be able to play in the big leagues in Cincinnati is if you move to second 
face. The same oh, guy that told no. <laughs> me that I would only not play shortstop if I played myself out of the position. So, you talked about my confidence in saying what I said to Pete Rose that, you know, you better trade Stillwell. I told this guy, you sat in my house with my mother and father and you told me, you told us that the only way I would not play shortstop in this organization is if I played myself out of the position. If you guys don't want me to play shortstop, and I sat and less, listened to him yeah. for five minutes tell me how terrible a player I was and unconventional. If you don't want me to play shortstop in Cincinnati, respectfully, trade me. Oh, wow. And I got up and I walked away. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, when I call my mother, what am I going to say to her when I, just get, when I get released or whatever it was, right? A week later, I got called up to Cincinnati. Played shortstop the rest of my career. I think I played maybe one or two games at second yeah. base, but I got called up. And I asked Pete about that. He said, I think they were just trying to test your resolve and see if you really wow. were committed to it. Now I, now, I know that I said that to the minor league director at the time. Yeah. I don't believe that I said that to, to Pete Rose. <laughs> to Pete Rose. I, I, I can see it, but well, hey, it makes a good story. Though. It does. He, he tells a good JD, story. you know who just walked in the room. It's, this is unbelievable, folks. C come pull up a mic. We got another mic here. I'm, you know, I'm going to let you do this introduction, Barry. <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know. This is a, what a surprise. Yeah, well, it is a surprise. It wasn't a surprise to me because this guy is just in the middle of absolutely everything. You know, we have this softball game going on tonight here yeah. uh, at the ballpark, and it was the legend game, Hall of Fame and Legends game. And we were talking during the draft, Johnny Bench and I, we were talking about, like, who we wanted on the team. And for multiple reasons, I wanted this guy on my team. You know, no, the entertainment aspect, number <laughs> no, one. No doubt. The entertainment aspect. His athletic ability, you know, I don't know how athletic he is now, but back in the day he was he was definitely one of the more athletic uh, pitchers that we had on the team. Doesn't matter now. And just, <laughs> and just an absolute joy to be around. He brings life to the party all the time, Mr. Jose Rio. About this. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. The guy, you know, before you guys say anything, I'll, let me tell you how excited and emotional I am because uh, I really learned here in Cincinnati I'll be, how to be a family member. You know, this team in 90, it really showed me what a family is all about. Yeah. And that's what I got from that 90 team. That is beautiful. Especially from two players. Mm. Not offense or anybody else. I love them all. For Larkin, Harry Davis, that was the big difference for me. I mean, I learned a lot from them so much. And that's the year that I learned that you don't have to be a great team to win a World Series. You got to have 25 guys pull them in the same duration. You got to be well motivated. Yeah. And believe me, we were. <laughs> this yeah, town we were. loved you guys. I mean, <clears throat> it was a brand, it, I think it was the brand of baseball that we played. Yeah. You know, in my opinion, this this town, in my opinion, had always has always been like a blue collar, blue collar town. In the fact that, bring your lunch pail to work and put in a good eight hours, eight to ten hours, yeah. go home and then get ready to do it the next day. At the stadium, but then, out of the stadium, it was the same thing. We all family. Yeah. We all calling each other. Where we going? What we gonna go eat? What we gonna do? I mean, it was a twenty four hour thing. 
The only time that we was in together was when they, you know, we were at home with our family. But then in the road trip and the stadium, it was an unbelievable atmosphere. Right? Yeah. Is it like nowadays, I know you guys had a little <coughs> get-together last night, that when it, you just pick up where you li- left off. Yeah. It's like you didn't have all these years separating each other. No, 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 we have, especially me and Luck. You know, I'll be calling him, he calling me. So this is not wasn't like a baseball thing only. This is like we say, it was a family then. Every time that I know he's doing something or his son, I call and find out to be there to show my support yeah. because I got it from his family too. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it physically, like, some of the baseball players, yes, this is a, an occasional get-together, and it feels like we're just picking up. But to Hosey's point, we, we do keep it going, and we do stay in contact. I mean, I mean, you know Eric Davis is always around. And I'm yeah. talking to Boogie all the time. And the same with Hosey and some of the other guys. Boogie. Now, this name Boogie for Eric Davis. Absolutely. Is this something we can discuss? Where did this come from? Do we even I've know? Always, I've always called him Boogie. I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I don't, I've always wondered, like, what, they call him Boogie, man. I, I wonder. There's got to be a story. But. I don't know if they call him Boogie. I call him. You Boogie. call him. Boogie. Uh, I don't yeah. know. If they, to my knowledge, you're the only one. Really? That, I yeah, call they call him Boogie. I don't know yeah. why. Yeah. But I do. I don't know. That's always. It's always been his name. Yeah. Boogie. Yeah. Boogie East, Buzz McKenzie, the Nasty <laughs> Boys too. <laughs> That's what it is. Can you believe? I mean, I know when you're going through it, you, you don't you don't sit and look at the the big picture of the future. But the, when you look back now, can you believe what you guys accomplished that year, and how much you you just you took over this town? Bro, there was a magical year. This this should have been a, a movie for for Disney Disney World because what happened that year? It was like a a, a shiny light. They came all, over all of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the quality of guy that we played that year, it was unbelievable. I mean, in order for, for Barry, two months before the season was over, come up with the idea to, to do that song, that, that video, it was unbelievable, bro. I mean, we don't know what was gonna happen, but yeah. we got an idea of what we wanted to do. Now, we accomplished, why? Because we, all of us, um, I gotta say, we got, Larkin and Davis, they push hard beside Lupinella, who's a great motivator. But I mean, to have that team like that, that's the year they're alone in baseball. After play for a while, they don't matter how good of a team you have. If you got 25 guys motivated, mm-hmm. pulling from the same direction, anything is possible. And believe me, when I see the devil, <laughs> the demon that we face in Oakland and sweep the guy, bro, I think, you know, it's out of my mind. It's no way nobody gonna tell me any different. That's the best worst series ever played. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because that day when I wake up, I see the USA Today, and I saw the uh, the sport page, and they got the World Series. They got Oakland. They got six player, and and our side only got my picture in the front, and I said, wow. <laughs> Yeah, but wow. it's a sweep. It's a sweep, sweep. I mean, bro. That's what makes it so he's so good. I make it feel so great. I yeah. mean, I get the shield right now just to think about it because it was unbelievable, bro. I mean, everybody, if you get large heavy, make it to a GM, or I make it to a GM. The only thing that I look for is motivation. Twenty-five guy motivated playing in the same direction. We don't have the great talent in the world. We just got twenty-five guy motivated. 
ready to give 100% every single day at the field. And that, I know the field. And that goes back to, you know, goes back to Lou Pinella. And, you know, for <clears> me, I had an opportunity to meet with Lou before he signed on as our manager. So this was like a few years in the making. You know, we were in, when Pete was here, at least my years in Cincinnati, leading up to that 90 World Series team, we were in second place, second place, second place. And I think we finished in second four years fifth in a row, place or something like that, yeah. one of those years. Yeah. So we were right kind of on the doorstep. And I remember Mar Schott making the comment. She said, I'm tired of being the, I want to be the bride. I, I don't want to be the, you know, I don't want to be in the, in the bridal party. I actually want to be the bride. And so I had an opportunity to meet with Lou before the team. Um, before the whole team got together because I was up in Cincinnati doing something and uh, I got a chance to meet him and the interesting thing about Lou was the fact that he didn't really call around to find out anything about the players he just he just kind of said this is who I am this is what I bring to set a rule don't show me up and don't be late I don't care what you do just give me 100% and then show me up that's it and this is the way I'm going to do it. You be on time and don't show me up because I won't show you up is exactly what he said. Then I remember in the off season before that 90 year, we were preparing for the season and guys were calling me up like, do you know anything about the skipper? Because, you know, we, we had a new manager yeah. because Pete got in 89, Pete got suspended and Tommy Helms took over. And then it was like they signed Lou Pinella, and he was in from the American League. So most of us that had never played in the American League didn't know really who he was. Lark, did you get a chance to meet him? I was like, yeah, I did. He seems like a cool guy. First day in spring training, he walks into the clubhouse. He says, I don't like losing. I don't expect losing, and we're not going to lose. Okay. See, now that gives me chills <laughs> right okay. there. We go out, we go out. This is day one of spring training and we have an organized team fundamental. And I think Paul O'Neill, cut off in relays or whatever it was, Paul O'Neill either threw to the wrong base or to the wrong cutoff man or whatever. And Lou Pinella absolutely lost his <laughs> mind, right? And we're thinking, this is day one. And if he's losing his mind on day one, Hosey talked about inspiration and motivation. Yeah. The motivation is you didn't want to be on his back, on the, on the bad side of Lou Pinella. He was inspirational. He was motivational. He was a true, true leader. And as Hosey said, we had, we had the parts there, but it, we didn't have the leadership to help us get to where we needed to be. And he, in my opinion, is the person that really completed that picture. To, to make it even better, I got a short version of my story, how motivated he was to me. In 10 years, 90, uh, I was struggling. I got traded in, in 88. And uh, in 90, it was the most amazing year for me. L the only time that Lou take me out, out of the game, without asking me how I'm going to do it. It was in the 1990 final game, game four in, in Oakland, in the World Series. Mm. He just, 
went to his left. He said, Randy Meyer. After I retired, 22 guys in a row, I'm giving up three hit, two hit. Now he don't ask me how I'm doing. The, the only time to make that powerful in in the beginning in the '90s, I was pitching here in Cincinnati, and it was hot. And the turf, oh my God! In the seventh inning, and down with the base loaded, one out, winning three to one. And Luke came in. He said, "Rio, how you doing today?" I said, "Luke, you want to know one of my story? Oh, you want to know the truth?" He said, "We need to win today. Tell me the truth." I said, I'm about 60% right now. He said, really? Oh, that's good. <laughs> I said, Lou, you hear me? 60%. I'm dehydrated right now. I can't even get out of here. He said, oh, that's good. I like you 60%. He said, look at the bullpen. See the guy warming up? Scott Scotter. He said, he's 100%, but I prefer you 60. <laughs> <laughs> Finish the inning and I take you out, bro. I strike out. Both of them got out. Mm. That's how motivated mm. I was. That's how Lou wow. it was. He said, that's when I learned so much for Lou Pinella. He was a great motivator. Mm. I see a lot of teams today that have such a great team, name-wise. Mm. But they're not motivated. Yeah. They're not hungry enough. They don't have the leadership that they need to take you to the next level. And that's why Larkin mentioned to you earlier that we got tired of being second place. Yeah. But when you don't have to guide this jump us up off the next level and Lou did it. Life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western and Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Products issued by member companies of Western Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. So the, the stories are legendary. The, the players I've talked to over the years from that team, they, some of the stories are the same, but they never get old. Right. Uh, what are when you when someone asks you about it? Maybe you're talking to a group or whatever. What are what are stories that come up for Lou? That in, in general, that might in be humorous. In, in general, too many. for me, huh? <laughs> too many, too many. Too many. <laughs> Well, what do you got? The whole good one. The whole good one, though. I'm going to tell you, you knew where you stood with Lou. And when Lou, my relationship with Lou is special. Um, he really kind of mentored me as far as post-playing career and all that good stuff, too, right? So he would talk to me in retrospect about stories that happened when we were playing that he considered teaching moments. So he said, you remember the issue with Paul O'Neill in spring training when I lost my mind? That was a teaching moment. <laughs> Do you remember when you grounded into a double play and I threw the bag into right field? That was a teaching moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, never, well, that has Do been you, referred to many, many not ways. Not a teaching moment. Not, never, I've never heard it that way. A teaching moment. Do yeah. you remember? In his own way. Do you remember when I tossed over the spread and told you guys you don't deserve a spread after the game? It was turkey that night. Because Jose was sitting on the floor eating. Eating the turkey one, George. That West. was a teaching moment. <laughs> I eat my turkey, though. I eat my turkey. Wasn't Hatcher like sneaking a turkey sandwich somewhere? And, and no, no, it was me. It was that me. was you. Yeah, but, but, but being the motivation, that uh, another story that 
came up in San Francisco, we uh, lost like 11 games in a row, but we still in first place. And I'm pitching that day in San Francisco, and uh, zero zero in the sixth inning. And in the seventh inning, there was two men on base, two out. It was ground ball to Sable, and Sable made an error. So he was mad, he was very mad. So when we uh, finalized the inning, I came over and I, we got a rookie pitching for the Giants that day, throwing puff. And I said, God damn it, guy, let's go. Who's pitching, Cyan? Let's go, let's get this guy. And Sable came at, at the player in the bat and he fouled the ball between the stands and the foul territory. And one of the fans stick his hand out, so they called Sable out, and he was even worse. So I said, no matter, you know, let's go. Let's, you know, let's get this guy, Sayan, let's go. Oh boy, and Sable came to me and he threw me two punch. And I said, wow, I hit him. I hit him, fortunately. And then I you went hit him to, with a slider, though. Yeah. You hit him with a straight punch. <laughs> I hit him, him with, with a slider. I, I went to the miles that day and I threw nine pitches. Man, did not need you know, take over. I just threw that pitch and strike or three out and left to the clubhouse. It was eighth inning. I wasn't gonna pitch no more. I told Lou, that's enough. When I went in, I remember uh, they got the good crunchy ice in San Francisco. So I told the guy, give me a drink. So I took one drink, he said, it was big, tall glasses. Give me another one. Because I said, I drink it. So I said, guy said, Rio, I said, please give me another one. I drink the other one, I said, give me one more. And leave that one in there. <laughs> because I know something gonna happen soon. Oh bro, look him in, I can hear from the hallway. Manning, Manning, Manning. So soon everybody sit down. I was there with my shower and my towel. He said, Rio, you find $500. Say, well, you find $500. I said, I ain't gonna pay no fine. I'm here trying to they bonga if the guy trying to hit me, you crazy, I ain't paid nothing. I said, then I throw my shower shoe away. I said, give me anybody in this room that don't want to win game can. Anybody. I was looking at Graham Bragg. I said, I hope you don't get up. <laughs> <laughs> he was huge. He was big. And then, guess what? We won like 13 in a row after that day. Wow. And Lou Pinella with Lucy Fortune. He said, Rio, fight somebody else today. <laughs> That's Lupinella. That's the motivation story. Another teaching moment. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we don't, there's a lot of stories like that that happen in the clubhouse and on the bench, you know, that you just don't. I'm glad he's told that story. I know the story because I sat and I watched it. Yeah. But I, it's, you know, I'm not involved. So you don't you share and Sable those. trading blows that. No, but let, no. Me, let me tell you a short story that he's La involved in this one. And <laughs> I don't even know if you're allowed to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Believe it or real. Uh, well, I'm pitching one day <laughs> in the fourth inning, and I uh, cry in the mouth the whole time. Ball one, ball two, and I'm crying. I like it, like always, always keep me close. And every pitch, we check in the vision, make sure you know we, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. It don't matter if we're doing right. We always look at him, looking at each other. We're always trying to find a room to do better. And that day he said, what the hell happened to you? What do you hope? And he said, like, you don't know. I'm going through divorce. He said, are you kidding me? 
you breaking down to this mouth? Were you making a living? Were you the idol? Were you know what the heck you doing? Oh, bro, that day I think I threw a two, 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 uh, two hit again. That's uh, motivated and how yeah. good of a team it was. And, you know, I'll tell you what, I don't know how to lot of player relationship work. But if you base, my relationship with Larkin, in those years we played together, we were brother. I mean, we were brother. We were eating together after the game. We doing everything together. You know, we keeping up. The first inning, we check in. You know, he know what to expect. It was unbelievable. It was he good. would get 3-0 on a hitter. And he would turn and look at me in shortstop. He'd go, watch this. Or he would walk a guy and then go, I'm about to pick him off. Watch this. And I'd be dang if he wouldn't either pick the guy off or strike the guy out with 3-0 slider, 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 strike three. Oh, there was a time. Be brother. Be brother. Be brother. Oh, my God. He's swinging the miss so hard. And he was so cocky. Who's that? Big brother for San Diego. Bip Roberts. Bip Roberts. Yes. <laughs> like you look at me. I'm like, what are you doing to you? What are you going to do? Go ahead. Finish. <laughs> We're playing in San Diego, and Bip was doing well, and Hosey was killing it that year. And Bip was either leadoff hitter or it was early in the game. And Bip Roberts swung at a ball that he thinks he should have crushed and fouled it off. And after he swings, his helmet falls off, and he's out there like, Daggone it! Like, like I missed that pitch, and then Jose, Jose said, "Oh, you want another one?" Like screaming at him during the game. Get back in the blanking box. You want another one? Here it comes. Here comes another one. Strike two. You want another? I swear to goodness on the field. You want another one? Here it comes. Get in the box. No, don't step out. Get in the box. Here it comes. Boom. Strike three. Now go down. That <laughs> was, was awesome. That was awesome. You talk it about, was, oh, my goodness. That's the kind of team, that's the kind of fight that we had. That that was. Every day. That was Every it. day. Every day. That is phenomenal. Uh, but but only that, after the game, is either Lark or, or, or Eric get the motivation and say, we going this place tonight. They got those limos, limousine for everybody. That was for Eric. Everybody. That, wasn't, that wasn't me. That was Eric. <laughs> Eric, Eric? limos. That wasn't me. That was Eric. <laughs> but I wanted, I, I wanted to say this because I re, I'm really motivated. Uh, when I came from Oakland, uh, Eric Davis was caught my hair, bought me an earring and everything. So whatever we go out, he buy for food, he buy me clothes every day. Then in the second year, I signed my first contract with 10 million. And I said, Eric, I can't afford to pay you now. How much I owe you now? He said, Jose, you're not making enough to pay me. Love my you know what you, you know how you pay me? Do to other what I did to you. And that was the message. Pay it I, forward. Oh, Pay I forward. took it seriously. Yeah. And it was beautiful. That's, I'm so happy about being a member of the 19, of the rare organization, because it was, a, it was a family. It was a family. It was a beautiful thing. Well, it, you know, it came off to fans how close you guys were. They, you know, obviously you were great on the field, you, wire to wire, all of that. But it came off to fans because – there, you know, there's the big red machine, and the next generation, you're that team is is their big red machine. 
and they love you guys as much, if not more. And it came off to the fans that you guys were that close. And it, it's a special, special team. I love that year. When, you when know how I know we're lurking this somewhere or doing something? Because people see it that they call me. <laughs> you both are lucky. I saw him over there. He's doing this, he's doing that. That's son they know how close, how beautiful my relationship was with Larkin. You shall all been mentioned him, and most of my story in the Cincinnati team is he's half of it. That's how great it was. That's well, it, you know, and it was it was really interesting because you don't you don't many teams don't have a relationship like that, but in the team itself. Pitchers have tendencies to hang out with pitchers. Pitchers, yeah. Always, yeah. And everyday players hang out with everyday players. I can't tell you how often we would go out and it would be Norm Charlton and Rob Dibble and me and Joe Oliver. Or it was just so much cross-pollination, if you will. Yeah. It, it really, truly was a team. And I – I think people picked up on that, and I think this city really uh, identified with that because I truly believe that that is a true representation, at least my interpretation of what the city is. Like I said earlier, that blue blue collar, you know, show up for work, put in your hours, do more than it's over under promise and over deliver mm-hmm. is kind of what we did, and that's kind of how we were as a team, and. I think Lou Pinella, I think we had the contents to get it done, like Jose said, and I think Lou Pinella just, his attitude and his personality just kind of put us over the top. To be able to sit, seriously, to, to have Barry Larkin sitting here and Jose Rijo sitting in front of microphones, this is very rare. This is ver- this is rarefied air here. Uh, Brought me up. I want to get this fan's attention because today is a very special day. Yeah. For Marty Brennerman. Mm-hmm. But not to take anything out about Brennerman, which I love. He's one of the greatest. I want to take this opportunity in life to congratulate Larkin and the fans of Cincinnati f- to having a, a guy like Larkin, you know, commentator by the baseball. He not only was a great player, you know, we all, how smart he was. And to see him now giving his opinion about the game today, it's a great loss because he not he he not, he not fall in love with somebody that don't deserve love. Yeah. I mean, he don't say something that he gonna say something that people need to hear. Yeah. You know, he tell it like it is, and believe me, he know what he's talking about. Well, I see like him play, bro. And he's awfully humble. Have you noticed that he doesn't want to take credit for a lot of things? He, he just beautiful inside and outside. I mean, to see Larkin play. And when I see him every day to the stadium, you see him when he hit the ball in the gap or hit a double. See him turning the base. To me, that was the most skill he had, that speed. Yeah. You know, turning from first to second to third, it was a beautiful thing. Him and Dean Sander. Mm. Yeah. Him and Dean Sander, bro, it's something to you want to watch live. You don't want to watch yeah. it on television because you don't see the speed and the aggression that they have. Bro, they played again. A lot, or Lark played the game the way he should be played again, and he's my uh, my idol. He's my role model. If you're gonna teach my kid how to be a player, he's gonna be Larkin. Thank you, Ozzy. I know you deserve it. You know, don't take me because you <laughs> earn it. Yeah. When you earn something, you don't thank nobody. Believe me, you played again like it was played. It's no doubt that he, he went to the Hall of Fame right away. 
because people saw what I saw. And, and that's what you need to be a great player. And to take a team organization to the level he took us in 1990. Well, I told him this. I mean, you, you look at all the spectacular plays he made, and first 30-30 shortstop, and all the spectacular. The, the, the little thing to me that speaks of his greatness and team was particularly hitting second, Hitting the ball to the right side and moving a no, runner, no, 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 moving a runner over, that, that giving was, himself that, up. That, that was, there are not a lot of guys that do that. But that wasn't nothing for him because I know, that's it, what it I was mean. natural. Yeah. What he did with the other player to make him better. Yeah, that was your best tool because he knows. Well, he got the best hand in the world. He knows how to move the guy over. He know what he need to sacrifice fly. But to motivate all the guy to get to that level. Yeah, bro, that take a lot. You don't have to do it. He did it anyway because it was on him, and that is a big plus for organizations to have a player like that. Yeah. I'm glad he played whole career in Cincinnati because Cincinnati is the best city in the world, world to play ball. How much fun did you have in this city? <laughs> Come on, I mean seriously. I got another thing to say. <laughs> a lot of players make more money than me. A lot of players have better number than me, but none of them. None of them had as much fun as I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I looked at you. When I, I, I got my question. witness. I got my witness right next to me, bro. Believe <laughs> You're always smiling. You're always. Was he always singing? It seems like you're always singing. You know, it was the days that he pitched that he was the loudest, and that <laughs> and, that, and it really works kind of in the reverse. Normally, you see a guy he gets into his own head and psychs himself up or whatever he does, listens to his music, puts on his headphones. When Hosey pitched. That one every five days, the clubhouse was absolutely rocking. He had music going, everybody. Looping it, I told me. I know you're pitching today, you're singing. I mean, it was like a celebration. It was, it was amazing. And you know, once again, it's like, you look at other people and you see how they have success and what they do to prepare. And he was more prepared than anybody when he went out on the mound. And so you look and you, as a player, at least this is what I did, I always looked to see what other people did. And then I would see, hmm, how does that compare to what I do? And if I try that, I wonder how I would do if I tried that, right? Now, playing every day, it's hard to do that every single day. But if you look at it like there's an opportunity to celebrate, right? Because that was my interpretation of what he did. Went to go eat at the same place or whatever, wherever Italian, it was, Italian, Italian food, food, right? Italian food. And then he would come in Campolino. and, the, and, the, and the, the place would be rocking. Jose's pitching today, right? And he's walking up. How you feeling today? Oh, I'm marvelous. Marvelous haggler. That's how I'm feeling today. <laughs> and he would do that every time he would pitch. And he would go out there and just kill it. So I'm like, hmm. Can I incorporate now? It wasn't my personality, so, you know, but it was his. And it was just interesting, you know, to see how different people prepare and do their thing to get themselves in that mindset. Was it the same way in the World Series? I mean, you're starting game one, obviously, in game four, your World Series MVP. Was it the same way? Absolutely. Every every, every Every start. start. Every start, bro. I mean, I came out from Dominican from a little town that nobody even know. I remember when I first came up and they asked me, where are you from? I said, Dominican. Not people not even know where he's Dominican. I guess I was next to Puerto Rico. And be able to come out of there and be who I was, I got to enjoy it every game. Because there's no way I was going to be doing something I was productive if I was going to be a, 
a baseball pitcher. Yeah. So I enjoyed every day. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put God a test, but I don't think it'd be a test if you put him because if you're going to die whenever, you have one wish to be granted to me, and when you have one game, any game that I play with Cincinnati Red and see my teammate, the way I see them that day, to live as the last day of my life, because that's how great those days was for me every single day. Wow, that's yeah. deep. <laughs> that's deep. Wow. Yep, 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 yep. You're not kidding. Nope. Goodness gracious. Not at all. Not how at much does World Series MVP, MVP mean to you? No, but it, it also means much if you don't have the good of the time yeah. that you did do, to get there. Mm-hmm. I mean, what well, we're just talking about, all those beautiful story, all those beautiful moments, and make you the uh, get the MVP in the World Series. Uh, one day celebration because what you work for a month is pay off that one day. You celebrate it, okay, fine. But what got me there is made me who I was. Yeah. And I don't want to say one day it wasn't enough. It was the whole my career, what I learned with my teammates, which I'm very grateful. It just make everything so beautiful for me. It was. It was like for me, him winning the MVP was kind of like a culmination of what he did for the organization and the city and the team that year. It was fitting. It was either him or Eric Davis or the Nasty Boys. Like, and I know, I think the Nasty Boys got something in the, maybe the league championship series, like Dibble and somebody else. I think it was maybe Dibble and Myers got right. co-MVP. Right, yeah. something like that. But I, I thought it was fitting. I thought it was fitting for him to win the MVP just because of, I'm good friends with Ricky Henderson. <laughs> And we talk about how dominant this dude was. And he said, Lark, that's now Ricky does not give out compliments very often. Except to right? himself. Well, he talks Ricky. about Ricky in third person. <laughs> Ricky, Ricky. He's like, Ricky. <laughs> oh, Ricky. <laughs> you know, Ricky. I remember, I remember Norm Charlton throws over, threw over the first base eight times in a row. Oh. And on the ninth pitch, <laughs> on the ninth movement he threw the ball to the plate and Ricky stole second base without sliding and so I'm going over there to get to to receive the throw and there's no throw I start walking back the shortstop he said lock lock come here man what's up Rick tell them they can't hold Ricky if Ricky wants to run Ricky's gonna run (laughs) I said I'll make sure I tell him Rick Make sure I tell. See, it make it make it make more sense every time Lark says something else because I'm telling you, every day that I pitch, there was some something good, something yeah. happened that we uh, it was even it could have been bad, but we find we find a way to make it better and to make it good. Every game, yeah. it was awesome. It was a beautiful day. I, I think one of the beautiful things of baseball is there's so many <clears throat> elements in, in a clubhouse. You're from the Dominican. You're from Cincinnati. You're co-mingling with guys like Randy Myers and Rob Dibble and Norm Charlton and people from all nationalities and backgrounds. And you guys just mesh as one. You, it, it seemed like you guys didn't see color. You didn't see uh, ethnicity. It was just all meshed as one. And you guys hung out is what, what you said. You, <laughs> you, you bring something up that's important for us to discuss right now. You say we don't see color. Yeah, we, we definitely not. We don't. We don't know who was white. You don't know who was black. Mm-hmm. We don't know who was Latin. We just a bunch of twenty-five guys getting along at the best of life. I mean, 
Everybody have a different opinions or something. But in the field, it was only one. Yeah. It was just one one team. That's it. It's not watching one player. You know how many times I see Larkin sacrifice himself? The guy hitting 300. And I see him is giving himself up with a ground board second. All the time. To move a guy to third. Yeah. How many guys do that in baseball today? Oh. And another it's point. very rare today. Exactly. I, I will speak But for he it. did it often. Yeah. He did, he did it at least all, four times no, a week. all the time. He could have, his batting average could have been much higher. And something we have, out for something we have this today is a big deal. It's what we have in 90, the nasty boy. Me and four of the guys, Brownies, Jackson, Armstrong, we're thinking about five innings. Yeah. I said, if we get to the fifth with the league, it's over. That's what we're doing today. Every league today have four, four pitches. The turnover, 100 is nasty. We got him in 90. Yeah. We took advantage. We took advantage because those three guys, <laughs> the nasty boy word doesn't make it justice. They were better than that. They were before their time. Exactly. Oh, right. they really exactly. were. Yeah. And crazy to boot. And two left-handers turn over 95 miles per hour. Yeah. That and was, the guy was right. He turned 101. <laughs> That's unbelievable, bro. I'm healthy. Yeah. Stay you healthy. You didn't always exactly. know where the ball was going and the hitters. Exactly. It, it showed. A lot of times that was strategic Yeah, from dibs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting the rap sign from behind. I, I can't tell you how much of a treat this was. I, I was younger in 1990. I, I was, you know, I was in the business, but that, that was a magical year, and it's a year that Cincinnati will never forget. And uh, you guys are legends in this town, always will be. And I love the fact that I, I didn't know how close you two were, uh, how much you think of Barry Larkin, and vice versa. Things very, the good very thing special. Is, uh, it's not stranger for us because we express every time we talk. Yeah. Every time he's in Orlando or whatever, his kid was playing basketball. I was calling, we were talking about it. I used to call him the little Puerto Rican. And I, I got excited when he got to the NBA because he was my my yeah. buddy, you know, son. And I was proud. Yeah. And, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. Yeah, really yeah. appreciate it. That's fun. That is Barry Larkin and Jose Rijo here on the Jim Day Podcast. How about that, everyone? <laughs> I don't know if you remember that commercial that we did. Starbert! <laughs> Give me one more of those. Starbucks. <laughs> oh, we remember it. We remember God all. God bless America, guys. God bless you. We love you. We love you, fans. God bless you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us at Jim Day Podcast, and we will see you on down the line, everyone. Take care.